You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. So last week, we had on my friend Dan Martell. He had this riveting story where he talked about how he almost killed himself. He was a drug addict, an alcoholic. The cops were chasing him. He spent time in jail, and he became an incredible entrepreneur after that. But also, there was something really amazing that when, when I heard him tell the story in 2013, I didn't know this was the first time he was telling this story. And I didn't know, this is what I really didn't know, which he revealed to me in last week's podcast, was that his wife and his in-laws heard the story for the first time, the same time I did, because I was watching him give the talk in 2013. And so in this next episode, we talk more about his path of entrepreneurship. He's, he's, he's done so well and he's helped so many entrepreneurs also succeed with his advice and his guidance. And he's written a book about it called Buy Back Your Time. And we talk about, about that. But also finally, I talked to Renee, his wife, about what was her reaction when she heard that incredible story. And that happens in this episode. This isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show.
Okay, so Flowtown, you build it up. I guess you sold it at some point, or what happened? Yeah, there? There, there was there was a shutdown rebuild, like all great entrepreneurial stories for that one. Uh, we had a data issue with Facebook back in their privacy, like the first big privacy thing. Um, but we rebuilt the company, exited that, and it was cool because like Ethan made a lot of money, and my investors made money. But yeah, and then I, I love the next company, uh, Clarity.fm. I was uh, I I loved the model. You were on there, man. I remember because that's like yeah. that to me yeah. would have been. Yeah, we might. I might have saw you on there. I knew of you, and then then we met at MMT. Yeah, and and so this was basically almost like an Uber of knowledge. Like if you had knowledge about something, you could sign up for Clarity.fm, and other people could pay for your time. And you would meet Clarity.fm was the mediator in the middle that would connect people and help people discover and do the transactions and and so on. Yeah, I just had a vision. I was I was in San Francisco. I just sold Flowtown and I had a bunch of people emailing me. And I had this idea where, you know, instead of replying to all these emails, what if they could just call me or like build a queue? And then I could just like hit start calls because I was friends with Jeff at Twilio. So I like knew the Twilio API. And I was like, I could just sit there and it could like read to me like, you know, James wants to talk about it. And then it would read me whatever you wrote. And then it would call you. And if you answered, we'd talk. And as soon as I hung up, because like, you know, I, we, I drove a lot. I drove down the valley. I, in Canada, you know, it's pretty much all we do because we're geographically challenged. So I just thought it'd be a great way to fill up dead space, you know, waiting for people or whatever, going for a walk, get a workout in and talk to people. And I was on the top of the uh, condo building I was living in. And I remember just looking out at San Francisco thinking like, what if you could like unlock all the friggin' deep technical product expert knowledge in that city for every other because I grew up in Eastern Canada where I didn't have access to that network, right? Even if I knew of people, there's no way I was going to be able to talk to them. And that was the mission. I mean, this is like, you know, social media was exploding. I just thought like every person in the world that has a Twitter account could monetize. Every person that's got an Instagram account, all the influencers, the, you know, the business experts, people on SlideShare. That was actually one of our hacks for how we filled up the expert, the, the supply side of Clarity was we built a scraper. First, we had people do it, and then we kind of built software we called Bonjour, which is French for hello, because it would like scrape SlideShare for experts. Dynamically, though, James, you'd appreciate this. It like looked at search terms, whatever we didn't have results for, but there was volume being built. It would dynamically go to SlideShare, search the search term, find the top experts based on the slides, and then somebody would manually at first go to the end of the presentation, which always has their email and their contact info, and then we would uh, email them saying we had a clarity call request. Do you want to take it? Click the link to accept. They'd click it, create their profile, and then we'd try to reach back out to the person who did the search that we didn't have results set. So it was like this that really genius. Right. Well, that and that's always been my passion is like, you know, what people would call growth hacking. I just call it like business, you know, like you, that is you have great. a problem to solve. And like how do you how do you get in front of that demand and how do you fulfill it and how do you scale? I mean, how big did that grow? Is it? I don't even know. Is Clarity.fm still Go around? around? Yeah, yeah. No, the company that bought us was uh, startups.com. Will Schroeder, amazing entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, I almost sold to uh, Gershman Lehman Group, who you probably know of in, uh, in New York City. This is past my, my non-compete, so I can share all this stuff. But um, essentially, Will said, hey, we won't mess it up. We think it's a really important part of our product stack, what we want to build at startups. And uh, to this day, exists, still grows, which is crazy. Not a lot. But, you know, I, he, he shares the numbers. It's like 
these little single digit percent month over month growth, but it's the beauty of a flywheel. Like once you get it to go, and the way we, we got it to actually continue going was building Clarity Answers, which is like our SEO strategy. So kind of like Quora, we built Quora-like features to create SEO traffic to then, uh, and then the experts could, uh, when they joined, we'd ask them if they wanted to do three calls to build their profile. So they do free calls and we dynamically build like somebody posts a question, the experts would answer it. Then the person would see it. We'd offer them an email to do a free call with an expert and it would just essentially get the flywheel going. And that still exists today. I sold that 2014. So that's eight years ago and it still works, dude. It's crazy. Like people are still doing clarity calls. And the code has not changed once. How much money does like a clarity person make? Like, like your best performing users, like do they make a living on it? Yeah, we had people making, you know, seven, 8,000 a month. Um, the challenge, as you can imagine, James, is that anybody that starts doing that many calls realizes that there's a business model, either selling packages and or doing courses and or services on the back end. So the hardest part I see, about- So if they're making enough money- they migrate to something where they can make more they go money. Off, they go off platform. Yeah. So yeah. what we always tried to do is um, have enough uh, supply that was high quality to solve problems. 1,500 was the magic number. And the reason why it was 1,500 is because it was enough for a really nice car payment. So we were trying to get somebody to do this instead of their profession, but we needed them to make enough money for them to be responsive to the request. And I learned this. I actually invested in Udemy. I, was part, I helped build their growth team there. And uh, we learned that at Udemy. Whereas like at $1,500 a month, it was this like North Star metric where the supply side started showing up and being responsive and and kind of interacting with your platform where if they weren't making that much, they're doing like one call every two months, then you'd have a negative experience for the person that's looking for advice, especially if they want to talk to that person. I didn't know you were involved in Udemy. I think that's a great company. Yeah, dude, I invested. I was uh, one of the first investors in their seed round. I exited... Oh, probably when they raised their, I think they were about 400 million valuation or something. Um, yeah, Goggin. I actually invested in Goggin, uh, one of the co-founders. I pass on Aaron. His other co-founder did a medical company. That was dumb. Should invest it because it's a people thing, right? Like, they got me a win. Goggin came around. He did Sprig. You know, I don't know if you saw Sprig. It was an organic food delivery. It was literally Uber Eats for organic meals. 36 million raise. I invested in the seed. Then they raised you know, 29, 30 million. And uh, in an 18 month period, demonstrated how you can deploy capital at a rate that sounds crazy. But, you know, they ended up giving quite a bit of the capital back. And Goggin's an amazing entrepreneur. He's actually doing another company. It's in my, my lane called Maven. But yeah, you know, it's fun because you and I are like in that same cohort of like the tech scene. So we like, you know, we've seen these people kind of grow and like I was in Teachable, for instance. I, I wasn't in Udemy, but I was in Teachable, which is another online learning company. But people on Udemy, like there are some that are doing pretty well, like making millions. Yeah. The, the, what really worked, I think, the Udemy, if you ask them, was when they started creating the subscriptions and, and allowing people to like sell their product for them at discounts. Because that's always a hard part, right? It's like, you know, if you're selling something that requires somebody's time, like an Uber or even Clarity, there's constraints in there and there's different types of marketplaces. You know, I always think about like version one, which is Craigslist version two, which would be more Airbnb. And then version three is more like Uber, right? And, and the rule is it's a three if you set the price. So Clarity was a two because we didn't set the price. But if you're going to create a marketplace and you set the price, then, then you're kind of like a, a gen three marketplace. Um, and they're one of the hardest businesses to build. 
I mean, you're creating, you literally have to solve twice as much problems to make the thing work. And you have no control. It's like an organism. You're like, these people have to show up with a need that hopefully we can fulfill and shape and have them behave properly so that don't upset this side. And these people have to be there so that there's supply to deliver on the need because if they come in and there's no supply, they'll never come back for the most part, right? It's like back to that whole activation and first-time user experience. But yeah, I cut my teeth. Um, you know, I met Joe and Brian at Airbnb. So like marketplace is kind of one of my strikes. You know, having built clarity, being involved in Udemy. Uh, Travis Kalnick was the first investor in Flowtown. So I like saw Uber from wow. it was ubertaxi.com at the jam pad. So it's funny watching the HBO TV series because like, Oh, I haven't seen I was it there. Yeah, like I was in that apartment and I met his girlfriend at the time and and seeing their dynamic and Ryan Graves was my buddy from Chicago. We literally interviewed him for the Flowtown blog. Did you invest like, in Uber? No, because dude, as you probably, I don't know if you remember this, but when Travis started it, he didn't want to be the CEO. So like, you know how it is. It's like, if I came to you and said, hey man, I got this crazy idea. It's pretty awesome. You know, I've got this other guy that I just found on Twitter, you know, to be the GM. Do you want to put in 500K? You're going to be like, no, because why aren't you the CEO? And that was right. everybody's response at the time. This isn't like, this isn't unique to me. This was like a lot of people. I think like Jason Calacanis might have been one of the few people that like knew Travis the way we did and actually said, no, I'm, I believe in this. I'm going to do it. But And Naval also, I think, put in money. 100%. In. Yeah, I just don't yeah. know if he actually invested in that the same round as Jason or shortly after when. So what happened was is there was a period where Ryan came from Chicago Travis said, move, never met him before, met him once and said, okay, I like you. Brings him to the jam pad. And there was an eight month period where Uber, and we, I remember seeing the charts, their GMV, gross merchandise value, essentially throughput was like, it, it was like 6 million month one, 12 million month two, 24 million month three. It was like, I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't comprehend a business in three months I mean, that's cumulatively 70 million in revenue. And if you extrapolate that, and this is just San Francisco, it just was like, duh. So Travis immediately took back over as the CEO and made Ryan COO, which he stayed for a long time. I mean, kudos to Ryan. Him, Molly and Ryan were friends of my wife, Renee and I's. So like, I remember just watching them like grow into the operator that could deal with this craziness. I mean, it was... Dude, I didn't see Travis for four years and he was an investor and an advisor. He was actually a formal advisor. We gave him 1% equity to be an advisor. Um, he taught me everything I know about fundraising. That Travis is world-class. Like he had this blog post he wrote called Raising Skills with a Z. Fundraising Skills with a Z. His, his, his uh, username used to be called Kona T-Bone. That's who he was on, on Twitter, Kona T-Bone. It wasn't, that was his, not Travis Callen, it was Kona T-Bone. And he had a blog post and uh, it was like the most advanced fundraising, like stuff like uh, have your investors text the other investors in this sequence, this message, like very, you know, play your power song in the car before you go in to meet with the investors. He made us, we were listening to Linkin Park and Jay-Z, my, my co-founder Ethan and I, in the car, like that remix. Uh, I think it was, um, I forget what song, but just like, just get pumped up and then go meet with the investors. Like Travis was very serious. And that's why I was not surprised to see him just absolutely crush the fundraising game. And this is related to though, buy back, back your time. time. You know, all I, I know so many entrepreneurs, including myself, who at different points got burnt out because all they were doing was working on their business and losing their life. And at, at first glance, 
you don't think that that's so important. You think, okay, well, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to make money and then I'll have a life. But, but it, they're related. Like you, you don't become truly high performance until you have a life also. People who, yeah. are, who are alive ha have better performance. Well, it's a math problem. So here's what I learned quickly. Because essentially what happened is I went to work in the morning like I did most Sundays to process mail or whatever. I was building Spheric at the time. You know, it was about five months away from my exit, but I was engaged to a, a different lady than Renee, who you met. And um, I came home and I was late. I was like two or three in the afternoon. I was supposed to be back at like 1130 because there was some, you know, this is how little I, birthday, you know, something she wanted me, my fiance at the time to go to. And when I showed up, she was literally in the kitchen just in tears and just um, takes the ring off and drops it on the counter and says, I can't do this. Yeah. And she walks out and like, you know, like when a woman tells you like, I'm done, I didn't even try. Like there was no like trying to, because this is not the first time we'd had this conversation, but I just thought that's what you do, man. Like I, I worked hundred hours a week for four years because I thought that's what successful people do. And even though I got really good at being productive, my best friend, Nick would tell you today, like Dan would come to my birthday party and sit on his laptop. Like I would sit there in his house. There's a house party going off and I'm on my laptop working on contracts and trying to close deals. Like, cause I thought, well, at least I showed up. And he's like, dude, you are the worst friend to be with. And like, that was where this whole buyback your time thing came from. And that's why when I started Flowtown a couple years later, I made Ethan the CEO. Cause I wanted leverage. I had money. And this, this is where the math problem comes in. At the end of the day, business is about time trades. You know, it's why you have a producer for the podcast. Like you do one thing really well. And other people can support you around that. That's why people hire employees. And, and it's not about, oh, I need me time just so I could enjoy life. It's not about that. It's like focusing on what you're good at makes the business better. And then no matter what you can do to trade the other responsibilities that you're not as good at to, to, to bring in other people or to, to outsource to software or whatever it is, the, the ways you could buy back your time, which you describe uh, so well in your book, these make the business better. It doesn't just make you better. It's not like a selfish thing. No, it's an economic thing. The subtitle of my book is Get Unstuck, Reclaim Your Freedom, and Build Your Empire. I'm not a four-hour workweek guy. I want you to build, I want people to fully express who they are. But the problem is, if they don't learn this, they're going to hit the pain line. And entrepreneurs will not grow into pain. James, how many companies have you shut down? Because you get to a place where I don't like this anymore, right? It's not lighting me up. And it's not really making me as much money. And usually at that point, people either decide to stall. I'm not growing anymore. I'm going to go back. Last year was more fun. I was making more money. It may not give me freedom, but at least it doesn't suck. Um, they decide to sabotage, right? And I talk about this in the book, like just the crazy ways entrepreneurs will sabotage their success, or they decide to sell, which I get the call all the time when entrepreneurs think like, all right, this is not what I signed up for. I'm going to sell and I'm going to go do something else. And I, I go, the, the problem you're trying to solve is going to show up in that other business. This is not a unique thing to your industry. You hit a ceiling of how you think of your time and you don't understand there's a completely different model for doing it. And what I discovered a long time ago is you can't build $10 million companies are not built off $10 tasks. And when you audit somebody's calendar, which I teach the time and energy audit in the book, and you just say like, wow, you've got all these things that take energy from you that are $1 sign or $10 tasks, whatever you want to call them. And if you put those in a bucket, you could pay somebody a fraction then 
your integrator you hired or your operations manager you hired or that freaking lead developer you hired. You could literally hire somebody else to take care of two or three days worth of work off your calendar, right? And, and actually build a life that gives you energy that makes you more money. Like this is, to me, the buyback principle is this simple. We don't hire people to grow our business. We hire people to buy back our time. It's a calendar, not a capacity thing. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I was just talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop 
really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Also, there's the 80-20 rule, or you even refer to it kind of like as a 95-5, where a lot of things you don't really have to do to maximize your business that you think you had to do but a lot of things you could just discard that were tasks you thought you had to do. They're just beliefs, right? Like we have beliefs that nobody else is going to do this better. I could never hire somebody to do this. If I hire somebody, they're going to they're going to do it worse. You know, I'm going to train them and they're going to leave. Like there's all these like mental blockers. That's why chapter three, I, I did this thing called the uh, the five time assassins, right? Because there's all these like belief sets that people have to overcome to even explore the idea of doing time trades. But like, no, you know, Richard Branson is the billionaire every other billionaire wants to be like, Oprah, Buffett, et cetera. What they've become world-class at, anybody that has an aspiration to build their empire is they're great time traders. They understood the whole way up, all I'm doing is grabbing work. Sometimes you're hiring a CEO to run a company you own. Sometimes you're hiring an executive assistant to take over your inbox and your calendar. It's still a time trade. And you're trying to take- I mean, Richard Branson owns- 400 companies. Yeah, he has 400 CEOs, co-CEO, he has two CEOs that runs it. And I spent a week with him. I talk about it in the book. And I watched him spend 90 minutes a day with his assistant having breakfast, operate and be available for those 400 companies. And as soon as breakfast is done, he's with us on the ski hill. And that's every day for him. That's the question I had on that story, which is, I hear about this a lot. Like I've been invited to do things with him as well. Like, and why does he like hang out with other people so much? Because it's actually, financially, it's where he gets his deal flow. He's a social person. He's an extrovert, right? He's much like me. I'm an extreme extrovert. I, you know, I love people. I love being around people. And honestly, my life doesn't look that much dissimilar, minus, you know, seven houses in different parts of tropical and, you know, exotic places. But I mean, I, I literally wake up every day and just spend time with people that I love and try to be in situations where, like, and I, when I say love, I mean like entrepreneurs, business partners, or potential partners I can collaborate with, right? And like that to me is, I think, where people want to get to, right? Like when you ask somebody like, what frustrates you about your business? It's usually well, spending time with people that aren't skilled, not very talented. Well, okay, the only way that you can get to a place where you can afford to hire people that are skilled and talented is by buying back your time to increase the economic engine called your primary business so that it produces enough profit that you can afford to buy back at that level. So a lot of people aren't right. willing to do it because I don't think they trust themselves. I don't think they're worthy of it. I, I think they have... I think people feel guilty too. Yep, there's guilt. That, that's I coach a lot, not a lot, but I do coach female entrepreneurs, women. And that one is the one I have to work on because there's guilt of their, their mother, right? Like if I hire somebody to 
clean my house, then my, my mother's going to think, oh, I can't take care of my family, right? Like this is something that actually happened with my, uh, with my wife where she fought having somebody do meal prep and cooking in our house for a while, like years. And I had to ask her, I was like, what, like, what, why, why can't you, like, we're spending as much money on takeout in restaurants. Like, why can't we do this? And she's like, I just don't want my mom to find out and then think that I can't take care of my house. Yeah. And people, the problem is too, people count that in terms of this is, this is the basic level. You, 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 they, they trade their, their time for money or they trade their, they trade their, their time for guilt for, for, to be guilt free. And that's probably the worst use of time. And, and they say like, I don't have time to go to the gym or I'm too busy to do this, or I haven't seen my friends in forever. It's like, you know, my dad, he had these apartment buildings and he would, he would mow his own lawn. And I'd be like, dad, like, you can afford to pay somebody to mow the lawns. And he, and he would say, well, I like to do it. And I go, well, if you like to do it so much, why don't you offer the neighbor to do theirs? Well, I don't like to do it that much. Then you don't <laughs> like to do it. You just, there's yeah. a belief where you feel guilty. Maybe, maybe you just, there's a, here's a big one, James. People don't trust themselves that if I buy back that time, that I'll be disciplined enough to go work on the thing I know I'm avoiding to bring my business to the next level. That's a big one. Well, that is a big one because they, a lot of people, when they go into entrepreneurship, they have a tough time with structure. And if suddenly you have free time and you're not that good with structure, you're, you're in trouble. That, that to me is like, it's in the, it's in the, the five time assassins, but you know, at the, the way I look at it is even if you just start off as small and like just inboxing calendar with an executive assistant, which is level one out of the five I talk about in my book in the replacement ladder it'll at least show you there's a different way. And like, even if you're going to like take that time and not be as disciplined as you want, what'll happen is as you pay other people to do stuff for you and your business doesn't grow, it'll force you into looking for a different answer, which then in the book, I talk about investment and how to like invest in new skills. Because like this is, time trading works like this, is I buy back my time to then invest in either things in my business that makes me more money, writing more code, selling more, whatever it is. There's usually a primary function that makes you more money. And then uh, if I've maxed out that, then it's learn a new skill that makes me more money, right? And maybe that new skill is how to manage my calendar, how to manage my time, how to be more disciplined. Maybe I get my health in check because I'm running out of energy. I don't know what it is, but that's the time trades. Essentially, we like trade money for labor to buy back time out of our calendar, then look at this new free time and then hopefully, you know, either do more things that make us money and light us up and, and to, to be able to create more resources to buy back. Because you're essentially trading up the ladder and the higher you go, the more expensive it gets. But I teach it in a way that I'm going to get you the best ROI for your dollar by using the system I taught. Because what I've seen is too many people try to trade too quickly, right? You see it with uh, people that read, uh, uh, traction by Gina Wickman, right? Everybody reads this book and they are like, I need an integrator. I need to hire somebody. I'm a visionary. They're an integrator. I'm going to pay. I'm going to hire somebody. And they go and spend a hundred grand on hiring somebody to, to essentially run their business. It's like, you don't even have an executive assistant. Like you don't even have somebody that deals with account receivable posting on social media, like basic stuff. And you're going to go spend a hundred grand on somebody that's supposed to like run your company. Like you haven't even learned anything. So it's, it's for me, I just want to, my mission is I want entrepreneurs to create more. I think the world would have more art in it, entrepreneurs in it. Like when I say art, I mean the entrepreneurial output is their craft, their art. If they 
learn how to buy back their time this way because they wouldn't hit the pain line. It's mathematically impossible. If you're always buying back your time and you have some level of discipline to learn the new skill set, to monetize higher and, and work on things that light you up, not suck your energy, you're just a different person that comes to work. You describe the difference between, an, uh, and you talk about this in the book, describe the difference between an entrepreneur and an empire builder and how those are different levels of buying time. Yeah, so like my philosophy and why I'm really excited about it, and, and it's, the, it's, it's not that it's, it's the opposite of the four-hour work week. I think Tim wrote a book for very specific, you know, the new rich, yeah. like, you know. I want to write it for the guy that's at 1.2 million in revenue, a dozen employees, and wants to friggin' shoot himself in the foot. Like he just can't deal with the pain. The pressure and noise is too much because he hired and deployed his labor dollars in the wrong sequence. And, and the empire is different because the empire is like, once the primary business gets successful, right? When you're, when you're finally making like north of 5 million a year, decent profit margin, 10 plus, which is very rare in this world, but very doable. If you, like I truly believe this, available to way more people listening. Um, then you have disposable capital that you then say, well, how can I express myself even more? And that's where the empire side comes. You need to focus on one business. I'm not telling people to do multiple streams of income. I think that's not how it works. Every person that we admire had one business, made millions, and then diversified, right? That's typically the way it works. And, right. but, but the empire side for me is, what is your unique ability, right? If it's podcasting, then maybe you want to start a podcast network. If it's, um, you know, coaching, maybe you want to in, uh, support three or four or seven other coaches, build their own little publishing empires or networks. Or if you're in real estate, you know, like my brother, he, he started off being a home builder. His empire today is his multi-unit construction, but it was leveraged off his primary business. You know, I was building one software company. Now I invest and I have a portfolio of companies that I buy and grow, and that's like my empire. And that will always be, and because it allows me to express my unique ability, and it lights me up 100% of my day, and then I buy back all the operational stuff because I built that. But you can't jump there. You have to work your way up learning how to trade your time better. This is levered. Naval, actually, you know, if you think of like output, output is a byproduct of time, which is constant for all of us. We all have the same amount of time. Multiply times leverage. Okay. Naval taught me this back in 2009. There's four types of leverage, code, content, capital, and what I'm talking about, which is collaboration, which is labor. Okay. So the four C's. And I got that from my buddy, Alex Hermosi. So, you know, Naval calls it something different. Alex is really good at making them the four C's. And what happens is if you get really good at leverage, then your output is much bigger. What if you're just starting out though, Let's say someone's listening to this That's why you and they're just starting out. It's time. It's people. It's labor. And how do you find someone who wants to collaborate with you for, for little money? Like they're thinking to themselves, oh, well, I have this great idea and now I need a developer. Yeah. Well, you don't hire a developer. You learn to code maybe because you can't afford them. That's the truth. Now, you could convince somebody to be a co-founder and that's a different you know, right. uh, problem to solve. But I'm, t I'm talking to like Rick that owns the bike shop. I'm talking in my book. Right. I, I, I wanted to build this for middle America entrepreneurs that own the HVAC companies and like, because those are, that's, those are my friends. Those are the people I grew up with. My best friend, Nick, owns a sign shop. My brother's a home builder. You know, my other friend, Mark, like these are local businesses and they're the worst culprits, right? Because they have all this pressure around social norms and like the idea of somebody coming in their house and cooking them meals is so foreign. They live in a small town of a thousand people. Everybody would know. Who are you? Are you a prince? You know, are you? Yeah. 
Like it sounds crazy, but well, you know, and and but they don't realize it's not particularly if you're trading. It's economically the only way, right? To grow. Like there's a certain point where your calendar's capacity. I mean, this was the biggest. I was a, a programmer from the beginning, and this was the biggest realization for me when I realized with my very first business, oh, I don't have to do all the programming. I could relax a little and pay someone. To run. But wait, don't you do the programming? You're 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 the one who does the program. No, no, no. I could just manage this process, and my life, my you get not leverage. only did my life become a lot better, but the business became a lot better because maybe I wasn't the best coder, or maybe. It was better for me to relax sometimes so I could re-energize. Yeah, or your skill is best deployed in marketing. Maybe, like, and this is the thing. It's like, if yeah. you are a better salesperson than programmer, that's true for me. Like, I love to code, but truth is I wasn't a 10X programmer. Then I'm better off filling up my calendar with prospecting and sales calls than writing code because that'll turn into a higher economic output, leverage, than just sitting down and trading time for money. And that, is the big idea behind the buyback principle? Well, look, it's a it's it's a great book, and um, you have a lot of kind of buyback rules, tips, suggestions. The the buyback rules that you have, you have so many different mental models for imagining how to trade your time for money, for business, for opportunity. It's really like a book I wish I had, particularly when I I started. I man, I could have. This I do have. People say, "Oh, I don't have any regrets." I do have regret. I feel like I could have made a lot more money on my first business if I knew the techniques. For instance, in your in your book, like I did not manage my time properly at all, so I couldn't build the business to the level I think it could have been built. And and I it was a good sale, although I lost the money later. But uh, I could have done a lot better. I just didn't just didn't have a clue. And your book has lots of clues and solutions. And I really, uh, I really think it's going to be a useful book for a, a, a lot of entrepreneurs. And it's, it's Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. Dan, what, what's exciting you right now, actually? What's, uh, I know you well, have your, your SaaS yeah, Academy. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Buybackyourtime.com is the URL of the book. I'm like, heads down, I'm going to push this for the next three years. It's like my life's mission to help entrepreneurs get free and avoid the pain line. And then I'm still coaching. I have the largest coaching company for B2B SaaS CEOs. We have a thousand coaching clients and pr really proud and honored for the impact we get to have there. And, and a lot of the book was an extraction of having to help my clients free up their time to be able to execute the stuff that actually has the business impact. Um, and then I work with at-risk youth. I mean, my story is, is... And what's crazy is even when you first saw me tell that story, um, up to that point for 15 years, I three, four times a year, I went back to the place. It was a big, it was a big part of my life I, I was shameful of and I didn't tell anybody. Like I would go back to Portage and speak to the kids three times a year and I wouldn't even tell my wife I was going. That's how kind of like ashamed That's I was. That's kind of incredible. It's, it's nutty. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.
discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. How did how did your wife and and her parents react to your talk? Like was it was that the first time your wife heard this story? It was when you gave the talk on stage. Yep. Um, how did she react when you got off the stage? Was she like, "What the hell"? It was relief. You'd have to ask her, but I, from what I remember, her saying to me was, "I now get she you." She in the house. I'm gonna bring her on the camera right now. No, she's not here. <laughs> I, I would bring oh. her on in a heartbeat. She's she's an incredible woman. Um, but yeah, it was it was a relief of like she understood me now. I think people know me and they're like, why is he so intense? And why is he so driven? Why is he so obsessed? I mean, the truth is, it's just like, I just got a second chance at life. That's just true, man. Like I wake up every day. The re- and you'll see in the book when I talk about the buyback lifestyle, which I think is really exciting that you probably resonate hardcore with today. Like my business, yes, buyback, but what about the personal? What about like looking at opportunities to not do anything other than spend time with people you love and uh, work on really creative you know, projects that, that leverage unique talent. That's, that's what I'm excited about. It's like, how do you live the Richard Branson life when you don't have a billion dollars in net worth, right? And, and that's accessible to a lot of people that just don't even know because they, they got to overcome the belief. The thing to, clo- like to, to close the loop on when I told the story, it was my in-laws. And that was the most powerful thing because up until that point, I think they struggled with understanding me because like, you know, Renee's husband or fiance and he's, he's different. And the way he he works is like, because they grew up, one was a teacher and the other one was like an employee at it. So like they didn't have that context for what does it mean to be a business person and take risk? You know, and I asked her, their daughter to move to San Francisco and like that was crazy. And so it was, it was beautiful. Her mom like got emotional and gave me a big hug. And, wow. you know, ever since then, you know, I just, and that's- I can't believe I was there. Well, dude, and this is why I share it every time I get a chance now is because the relationships I build when I go first and I'm vulnerable and I'm, and I own that. And, and to say it didn't come with its downside would be lying. Like there were some challenges I had to deal with in regards to going across the border, James. Like I almost got kicked out of the U S because I had a, wow. as I created a crime. And when you fill out the form, it asks you, did you ever create a crime? And I said, no, wasn't true. They saw the video on YouTube when it blew up, it got picked up by gold And so there's been some challenges, but far, far, far beyond that was just the, amount of people, kids, parents have been able to serve through that story that, you know, in hindsight, you know, like you say, we don't have any regrets, but yeah, I probably should have shared it a lot sooner than I did. My, well, my wife just ran in if you want to ask her. Renee? Yeah. Where's Renee? <laughs> um, James Altucher, remember when I got up on stage and I shared my story for the first time at MMT and you didn't really know the details? He wants to know what it was like. Hey, how's it going? Renee, Hi. Good, good. And Dan was just telling me that was the first time. First off, I can't believe I was there the first time he shares the story. Second, he said that was the first time you heard that story, which I didn't know this until now. How did you, when he's on the stage telling this story, what were you thinking? You're you're pregnant I, with this child. Pregnant. You're not married yet. What what were you thinking? I'm not only pregnant with our second child, wasn't it? 
That was Max. It could have been Noah. Yeah, no, we. I was pregnant yeah, with our parents were there helping out with Max, yeah. And my parents were there. And I just kept looking over at my dad thinking, oh my God, <laughs> what I get myself into? Were you, yeah, okay. Like, And then when he got off the stage, were you like, were you, were you a little upset that he hadn't confided in you all this stuff before? No, I, no. I, I understood why because I think that it was a gift that he was able to share it in that moment with those people in that room. But no, I feel like there was also a part of it where he didn't, he was worried. He was worried what I would think or worried that I would leave. But in fact, it actually just made me more proud of the person that he became. But I was like, damn, I didn't, I didn't know you did all that. I mean, did you get, did you insist, you better tell me everything now. At this <laughs> point, I'm like, yeah, else? what else are you hiding? Come on, cough it She's up. Got it all <laughs> now I know the story. <laughs> well, congratulations to you both. How many kids overall right now do you have? Two. two. And we just so got a was, puppy. So that was like number two. You were like, this guy's crazy. I'm not having any more kids with him. We're going to stop here. Yeah, but it was a point of no return. I looked at him. I'm like, smart. Good, good play there, buddy. Now I get it. He locked me in. And that's the story. Had to but, lock it down first before I disclosed. Right, exactly. You had to make sure. <laughs> well, it was a great story. I mean, I was at the edge of my seat while you were giving your talk. It was a great, it was a great talk. And I was happy to meet both of you guys at, at that very first, you know, Mastermind Talks, which is a great conference. And now how many people go to that during the years? Like thousands. Yeah, I was actually at the one, well, obviously COVID had an impact. Um, Renee's got to go. Thanks, babe. All right. <laughs> nice to see you, Renee. Good to talk to you. Thank you for um, answering my question. Yeah, no, uh, I think the last event, there was like 200 and change. I mean, it's... You know, J uh, Jason does a good job of curating, keeping it, uh, you know, to the number that you can go to an event and feel connected. But I've probably been to seven since then. And it's just, honestly, when I look back, I actually moved two years ago, Renee and I and the kids, we moved from the East Coast to the West Coast into the mountains. And a big part of that was the friendships and community I made at MMT. Like seven of our friends that moved from different parts of the world and cities, we all decided to move to this one place called Kelowna, B.C., and we're raising our kids yeah. together. Todd Herman's there. Uh, Daryl Hicks, a bunch oh. of, yeah. Nick Kuzmich. Wow, Todd Herman's there. Because I, I last saw Todd in his apartment in New York yeah. City. Yeah, he moved. He came from New York. A bunch of guys came from Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. And, and we're, we're doing life together. It's, it's beautiful. Well, Dan, it was so great uh, uh, hearing the update on the podcast and talking about your book. It's a really great book. I highly recommend it. I wish I could recommend it to myself in the 90s. And thanks once again for, for sharing your story. And look, maybe I'll run into you at a, an MMM, MMT. Jason just wrote me recently. I've got to respond. I'm, so, uh, I'm really bad at responding to emails and I feel really bad about it. That's one thing. You need thing. somebody else doing that for you. Chapter six. Maybe. Yeah. Jay's listening. Maybe Jay could do it. <laughs> but he doesn't, he doesn't write like me though. So. It's all good. I, um, yeah. And honestly, if anybody's listening, Go to the website, but just ask me. I'll send you my executive assistant framework, my email inbox GPS strategy. So if Jay does do it for you, James, um, at least he'll do it in a way that makes you not go crazy. All right. I'll send you that email. So buybackyourtime.com is yep. your website. Buybackyourtime is the book. Dan Martell's the name. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dan.
From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.